I'm Noel Katz, and this is Musical World. I know you like to hear that. So, Noel, how in the heck have you been? Good. Been been about a month or so, I guess, since I saw you. I know. I've gotten a haircut because I knew we were doing this podcast <laughs> interview, and I... <laughs> I should not look like the unkempt slob uh, that you saw when you were, came to New York. Well, I tell you, I haven't got a haircut yet, but I'm scheduled to get one tomorrow. Does that does that count? All right. Well, <laughs> yeah, you know, with editing, you can make that happen. You can make it sound like your hair was cut for this podcast. That's right. <laughs> Especially for you. Oh. <laughs> so, uh... This, uh, I, I've been looking over the material that you sent me, and uh, this looks like it's going to be something pretty cool. You've got uh, a review of songs by Noel Katz called Things We Do for Love that's going to be happening on uh, May 2nd and 3rd. And it just looks like it's going to be a great evening. Uh, it should be. And, you know, it's at the Duplex, which is right in the heart of uh, Greenwich Village. Right. Kind of a classic place where um, uh, all sorts of, you know, old-time uh, entertainment greats performed early in their careers, like Joan Rivers and Woody Allen and, I don't know, maybe the Smothers Brothers. I have no idea, actually, but it's uh, <laughs> it's it's the uh, cabaret venue that's, you know, been right in the heart of Village for, uh, you know, at least 50 years. Oh, yeah. Probably more. Yeah, it's it's been there and been been a lot of great performers in and out of it so that's that's pretty awesome um how how did it come about well this really came about um when a uh, a producer performer named Stephen Bidwell um contacted me with an idea about uh doing my songs at a uh monthly benefit show that he does for a theater company called Moses Mowgli, and when I said, well, that sounds like a fine idea, and when we started thinking about what this would be like, which would be, you know, it's a bunch of people singing in a bar, and it's a bar that doesn't necessarily get quiet when the singers are singing, um. and I said, I can't, I can't picture this, um, because I haven't written any songs that you can just have in the background and not tune into the lyrics. The lyrics are so important to what each of my songs is doing right. that you can't really play it at a venue where people aren't listening. And he started thinking, well, we should do just the opposite and play it in the sort of venue where... Uh, people are listening kind of more intently than they are at any other place, and that would be a small cabaret like the Duplex. Right. It's really the perfect place for the sort of listening that uh, my songs apparently demand. Okay, cool. That's, you know, people, I, I would think that people would uh, would take notice when you've got the lineup of people you have. Possibly the people that are going to show up that night are going to be a little attentive. Yeah, no, that's it. That's, that's the design. Uh, but you asked uh, how we got started on this. Well, we got started on a uh, with the, this other idea that seemed imperfect, and then we altered it to make it uh, you know, the more perfect uh, venue for, for my uh, songs. 
Well, so I, I'm, I, I went to the website, and it says uh, that you yourself is going to be playing the piano for this evening. Yes, which means we couldn't get anyone good. <laughs> That's exactly what it means when I have to play for our productions as well. It yeah. Means we couldn't hire anybody. We couldn't afford to get anybody in our case. <laughs> you there? But you know, I played a lot of I played a lot of cabaret uh, shows. I played one on uh, Thursday night that was just really exhausting. And, uh, you know, in rehearsing that, I was thinking, um, you know, I'm probably not going to look at the score I'm playing on, on May 2nd and May 3rd and and think, why did he write it this way? <laughs> You're going to know Which, what the guy meant. Right. You, you know, the uh, when when you're rehearsing songs for a cabaret and you play them again and again, you're really observing them you know, with the performer in yes. a way that uh, uh, you get to concentrate on the on the details. And there's always details that kind of bother me um, uh, when I'm playing um, when I'm playing somebody else's uh, cabaret. For instance, there's the word liveried. Liveried? L I. Yeah, there was a word liveried, and it was in the cabaret I played Thursday night, and I, you know, had to rehearse that, and, you know, we're working on that. I'm going, how many people in the audience are going to have any idea what she means when she sings the word liveried? It's not a word I would ever put into a song. Does this have so, anything to do with horses, or...? Uh, no, you're, you're kind of on the right track, though. It has to do with uniforms. Okay. <laughs> so, May 2nd and May 3rd will be a cabaret in which I'm not going to wonder about any of the uh, lyrics <laughs> or or second-guess the songwriter. Exactly. Although there may be people sitting in the audience going, I wonder why he did that there. Well, maybe. Maybe. But, you know, my my songs over the years have gone over uh, pretty successfully with audiences. Oh, and yeah. the audiences tend to really key into what the characters are saying and to enjoy what's going on and laugh a lot. The um, Exactly. You you put in an awful lot of uh, humor into your writing, and that's one of the reasons I love it. Well, thanks, Jim. And I think the what's happening here in this cabaret in, uh, in early May, Things We Do For Love, is that the... Songs that have been chosen for this cabaret are kind of a uh, a funnier than average sampling of my work. In other words, the I didn't choose what songs um, we're doing on that night myself. We had kind of a group of people doing it, and their preference was for the funnier material. So we've got a lot of comedy in this particular show, which is not the best of Noel Katz by any means. It wasn't... They didn't choose what they thought were the best of my songs. They chose what they thought would work best with the specific performers we got. So we cast the show before deciding what songs to do. Oh, okay. That's... So we picked, we picked material that's, that's supposed to, you know, 
really show you what this what these six performers are particularly good at. That's excellent. And that's comedy, yeah. Yeah. A lot of the time. Yeah. Well, you you sent me four songs. The first one is Song in My Pants. I'm I'm yeah. not familiar with that song. I don't ever recall hearing it. You know, it could be it could be that it's it's written more recently uh, since we last talked. So okay. I think that's the that's the newest one in our lineup, and uh, it was written for a guy named Tom Carrozza, who was making an album for silly reasons. He was making a silly album for silly reasons, and. Uh, I said, I have an idea for a song for you. He may have said uh, something about the style of song that he wanted on the album. And I said, how about this? And wrote him the song, A Song in My Pants, which in in our cabaret act will be done by uh, three men. So it'll be three men who are um, talking about the song in their pants. But the song we're going to hear right now is by Tom Croza. Yeah. Okay. And it's from his album, Zesty. That's right. Well, let's listen to uh, a song in, song in my pants. I've got a song in my pants, a tune concealed in my pocket, and only you can unlock it, the song in my pants. The zipper's got the romance You find in classical pieces And then the rhythm increases Like the size of my pants Sometimes my pants have got a dance And they take me along on a ride Merengue or rumba They never encumber They allow me to breathe I've got an air with a fly, a serenade in my bridges. If you can't tell what the pitch is, take a look in my pants. I got the blues in my jeans, and trumpet flares, yeah, I got them. Of course, there's bells at the bottom. They come with the pants I had a tailor take a glance He was a music lover, I guess The band kept on playing His hand kept on straying He proceeded to mess my permanent breasts I've got some corduroy cords They zig and zag like they're bleeding of course, the bass line's deep-seated. I've got a sax in my slacks, and in my tube socks a tuba. A pair of bongos from Cuba can be found in my pants. Pants. My name is Jeff. Thompson. And I'm Jordan Mann. We are the writers of Pump Up the Volume, Jawbreaker, and Trails. And you're listening to Musical World. All right. So that was a song in my pants sung by Tom Carosa from his album Zesty.
Yeah, it's the first. Yeah, written by Noel Katz. It's the first track on that album. And then later in his album, he does a song I wrote for him many years ago called uh, Dripping, which is quite exciting because he said, I want you to write the theme song that would go over the closing credits of a slasher movie. Oh, really? And so that's what Dripping is. And when he recorded Dripping, uh, he kind of did a little scene from the movie in it. And you kind of hear him get stabbed to death before he sings a song. <laughs> it sounds it sounds very good. I need to, I need to find it and see it. <clears throat> you can send me the link if you if you know. Maybe, maybe I'll will send that one to you as well. Yeah, yeah we'll uh, we'll put some links in the show notes to things. So the cast that's lined up for this, you've got some really really nice uh, people lined up. Um, you mentioned Stephen Bidwell being uh, part of the cast as well as one of the producers. Um, right. Go and ahead and talk we, about we also, some of the others in the cast. Well, I'm also very excited that we have Christine DeFries, who is also kind of serving double duty because she's musical directing the show as well as uh, being one of the performers. And um, even Brad Sibiking will be playing piano for one of our rehearsals and maybe one of our numbers in addition to his... Uh, performing duties. So half of the cast is doing stuff other than uh, performing. And then um, uh, Vanessa Dunleavy has uh, uh, performed one of my songs before in a concert at the Donnell Library where she really knocked everybody dead um, because her take on the her take on the uh, song, which is called "Inside of Me," was simultaneously very funny and extremely sexy. Mm. And uh, the I, I, you know, this being an audience of you know library goers, they were rather shocked to see all that because <laughs> I don't know about your libraries, but uh, libraries in New York, you know, tend to attract either very old people or people who have no address other than the library. So that that crowd was rather surprised to be entertained in that fashion. Yeah, don't mind me, I'm here ago. to check my email. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ours is pretty much the same way in, in Midwestern Ohio. It's yeah, same, same type of people, but... Uh, uh, yeah, so that was... A, that was a free concert. I mean, they had a beautiful auditorium, but it was a free concert where people wandered in and saw um, a whole bunch of performers. Um, and the host, Johnson Darsick, I think he knew all of the performers except Vanessa. So he may have been a little nervous going in, but by the end of it, he had to admit that, or had to say that Vanessa was head and shoulders above everybody else that was performing that particular day. Wow. And awesome. then, and who else, who else do we have? We uh, have the other, we have the other Stephen. Yep, Stephen Mitchell Brown. Yes. Uh, and he's very good. He, he is, we, I am meeting two of these people for the first time, Stephen Mitchell Brown and uh, uh, Rebecca Kabaska, 
are people who I saw for the first time in our auditions and was very impressed by them and very happy to have them along because it's they are people who are truly new to me and new to my material, whereas the other Stephen and Vanessa, as I just explained, and Brad and Christine had some familiarity with some of my songs prior to this. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for uh, Stephen Mitchell Brown and uh, Re- Rebecca are, are, you know, getting introduced to my material in the way that much of the audience will be introduced to um, my songs, May 2nd and 3rd of the duplex. Okay. Well, what do you want us to hear next? Um, you've you've got one uh, with Sean Smith and John Ali. Ah, yeah, that's that's a that's a good one to play because it was, in a sense, it was Stephen Bidwell's introduction to my work as a performer. Um, I was performing in a benefit sometime last fall, and the theme of the benefit was duets or pairs or whatever it was. Uh, I decided to bring in a pair of duets, and uh, Stephen Bidwell was one of the performers of this song, Why Do I Do What I Do, at that benefit, and that kind of got him... uh, you know, kind of inter- interested in doing something uh, on a larger scale with my work. So, in a way, hearing or learning or then performing Why Do I Do What I Do uh, was, in a way, the spark for this whole uh, inspiration. Oh, okay. Um, tell us a little about the, a little bit about The Love Contract. That that song the Love Contract is, is what we in the business call an industrial so this is a musical that was never meant to be heard by the general public, but was being used by a business for a specific business purpose. Okay. And in this case, it was a um, a really big labor law firm in um, San Francisco had created this thing called the Love Contract that clears up various legal issues that might come into play when co-workers date each other. So in the love contract, um, a man is considering uh, dating his boss, but also pondering that that might get him in trouble, and his um, his friend basically advises him to go for it anyway, and that's what's going on in the song. Okay. Usually never works out good, but hey. A right, musical well. comedy, Jim. <laughs> that's, that's exactly right. This is Why Do I Do What I Do, sung by Sean Smith and John Ali. Meanwhile, across town, Bob and a friend are celebrating his new employment and employer. I tell you, it's too weird. She's, she's terrific. Uh, she's, she's everything I've ever wanted in a partner. She's beautiful. She's bold. She's, she's smart. But she's my boss. The beautiful, the bold, and the smart. Sounds like a soap opera. Hey, congrats on your new job. And on finally finding love. Whoa, hey, hey. (laughs) Who said anything about love? Well, chill out, my boy. Don't fight it. You're just going to complicate things. Face it. You're in love. (laughs) 
I do, I do what I do. Why can't I take the longer view? If I try to woo my boss, I'll lose my heart, lose my job. Little profit, nothing but loss. Still I go my merry way, crooning through the day. Then when night comes around, I find I can't sleep soundly, wondering why I do the things I do. Sounds rough. Oh, believe me. It's understandable. The girl is landable. The only trouble is you don't know it. I'm only hoping you cut out your moping, you pine like a lovesick poet. You gotta recognize that when they beckon eyes like hers, turn a man to mush. You're hooked. You're cooked. And the honeymoon suite is booked. And your timidity, heaven forbid, it evolves into something heated. Cause the attraction biz is where the action is. Assuming that you're not mistreated, you're gonna need a doctor and a lawyer when going out with your employer. But what can you do? You're in love. I'm, I'm going to need some time. For hours, Bob paced his office, pondering his dilemma. He just couldn't get the love contract out of his mind. A love contract? Who would write such a thing? Probably some lawyer with too much time on his hands. What could be more ridiculous? Contracts for love. Who in hell could be that meticulous? Contracts for love. Someone with billable hours has crafted a replacement for jewelry and flowers. Is this what we've come to? Whatever happened to simple love? Now it's a line that you sign above. I need the mushy stuff to stir my unfashionable heart. Whatever happened to tenderness? Now it's just clauses and laws, I guess. I need the mushy stuff to spur my passion to start. I can handle the pressures of dating. Come on, the phone call, the waiting, the rush. But my desire for intimate contact shouldn't require a 13-page contract. Whatever happened to chivalry? 
as it's defined here in paragraph three. Courtesy's one thing, but this overdone thing's a bore. And I want more of the mushy stuff, the mushy stuff lovers did before okay we also heard the mushy stuff and that's uh, that was also sung by Sean Smith and also from the love contract what's a little bit you can tell us about the mushy stuff kind of feel uh, on what they just heard I have a funny story about uh, about the mushy stuff, and it has. Um, well, you'll you'll decide whether you want your listeners to hear this story or not. But uh, years ago, <laughs> oh, they're going to hear it. <laughs> years ago, there was um, um, I played for a um, a class at an acting school where the uh, teacher George Axeltree um, for for whatever reason, decided that part of every class should be me singing an original song. So I would come in, and it was—it really was where I got, you know, most of my experience performing my songs for people was in George's class, because he had me do it for uh, every week, and I was there for years doing this, always wow. playing a different song of mine. Um, so that was a great experience, and... I remember very clearly the time I performed the mushy stuff for for people, um, because at this particular acting school they had uh, students from all over the world. It was very common for this student, uh, this particular acting school, to get um, students who were who were foreigners, who were new to America, new to New York, and taking their first. Um, uh, you know, act, acting classes in New York. Mm-hmm. And um, one of them was a uh, woman from Germany, and she spoke perfectly good English. And she came up to me after I'd done the song and said, um, well, I, I liked your song a lot, but I have to tell you that at first I was very confused by it, because in Germany... Mushy is a word that we use to describe our private parts. <laughs> so as you as you've just heard, I've written kind of a romantic song called the Mushy Stuff. And if you're just familiar with German slang, it means something wholly unintended. Oh, and and see now, right now, everybody's backing up, and they're going to go back and listen to it. And uh, <laughs> yeah, but, uh, and and think of it in the German context, <laughs> or whatever they do when they hear the word mushy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I okay. Well, you know, I I think of it in the context that I originally thought when I heard the song. But oh, sure, now, and that's the now it does context it was meant for. It, yeah. it does strike a totally familiar thought in several lyrics. Right. Well, when when Stephen does it in uh, in May at the Duplex at things we do for love May second and May third, right. it won't it won't resound that way. It'll be, it'll be um, you know in the context 
that it was intended, and nobody will be thinking of uh, naughty bits <laughs> when Stephen Mitchell Brown does it uh, in Things We Do for Love. It'll be done in the, uh, you know, in that kind of wistful, passionate way that uh, that the song is supposed to be done. Right. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, so, what else have you been up to here recently? I know. I, I follow you on Facebook, and I saw something the other day that, you know, said something about your first day off in 31 days or something. Oh, or were you just making a joke about a 31-day march? No. <laughs> no? Um, okay. I've, I've worked every day. Oh, now I have a call waiting. How oh. rare. <laughs> Did you hold on? Sure. While I get rid of this person? Sure. <laughs> a musical theater buff, so. But okay, so so you've actually worked uh, like thirty-one days in a row, or something like that. What what are yeah, that, what are you doing? What are you so it, busy? It tends to happen to me. I musical direct people's cabarets. I teach um, uh, people to improvise musicals. So we had um, you know uh, classes and rehearsals and performances of uh, some improv stuff. During this time period, I musical directed a uh, production of Your Good Man Charlie Brown mm-hmm. at some point, and a lot of you know coaching people for their auditions and various uh, uh, cabaret performances. Wow! Other than other than my own, which will be May second and May third, yeah, which I... we, which was another thing that I did in the past thirty-one days. <laughs> we've had. The initial rehearsals for that, we've got another one tonight, and of course the um, auditions and the choosing of the songs to fit these six performers. Yeah. And they do trios and duets. Um, it's not like we picked a lot of solos for people, because there's a lot of ensemble stuff in the show. There's got to be four or five numbers that involve all six of them. Uh, the opening number involves a lot of counterpoint, so it's really six, uh, six people with, you know, with individual tunes to learn that will uh, be singing those simultaneously. Right. And, I, uh, I love that song, and we're not telling anybody what it is. But that's right. It, it's, but, uh, it's been but, featured on Musical World before. If you want to figure it out, Go listen yeah. to all the No Cats episodes, and you'll hear it. Right, which which we've counted it. That's twenty nine songs. <laughs> really, Musical World has has, has previously done twenty nine of my songs, and uh, how much you added? Uh, oh, now you've added more. three, so we're yeah, now at thirty two. Yeah, yeah, and we're going to do one more before we leave. But uh... there we go. That will be up to thirty three. <laughs> If we can, if we can make it thirty-three and a third, then we'll have a number that reminds old people of a kind of music. <laughs> yes, <laughs> uh, and and the kids are going what thirty-three and a third? Mm-hmm. What? I know now. Now you're wistfully thinking about vinyl. Yes, yes, my big ten inch, <laughs> <laughs> and how it spins. <laughs> exactly. Well. The last song that we've got, I I know I've I've actually heard this one uh, uh, several times because I've I've got the CD. Ah, and, uh, yeah, it, it's you and your spouse Joy 
seeing mm-hmm. this from your wedding. That's true. The uh, the most famous fact about me, or my main claim to fame, is that uh, our wedding, that is way back in October of 2003, when I married uh, Joy Doing, the uh, entire wedding ceremony was an original musical performed on stage at an off-Broadway theater. And I forced all of our parents to sing, as well as, well as uh, the bridesmaids, the, uh, the best man, the preacher, and the flower girl, then four years old. Yes, and so cute. <laughs> so uh, what you're about to hear is, uh, is one of the duets my bride and I sang. So you will be subjected to my singing, but her singing is quite a treat um, <laughs> because you know, she's an excellent singer who, um, who these days is uh, is more often listening to other people sing. As she's a, a casting director with three shows on Broadway now, and uh, wow. many of her days are spent listening to you know more than two hundred people sing. Oh my gosh. So it's it's kind of great to have the tables turned on her and um, have a part of um, uh, your podcast be listening to her sing. Yes, and probably many of our listeners have met her and may not know it, but uh, they many of them, I'm sure, have been to a casting call where Joy has been uh, uh, been the person they've been involved with there. More than likely, wouldn't you think? Oh yeah, I mean she's uh, she's really cast a a huge number of things and uh, has had quite a career, and even more people than have more people than have auditioned her have seen uh, a show she's cast because quite often the shows she's cast are national tours, so. Oh. I don't I don't specifically know about Dayton, but it's very likely uh that you've seen a show that Joy has cast if you've seen a uh, a musical elsewhere in America, oh, you know, sure. somewhere somewhere beyond New York, um kind of a high percentage of them are uh, the shows that uh, Joy has cast. We, and, we should probably get her on and do a segment with her sometime because I'll bet there's a lot of people out that would out there that would like to know when they're at an audition what do they what what is that person looking for the most? Yeah. That's a fascinating topic. It really is and and it's a question that gets asked a lot by actors, you know, of uh what's the best way to what what do I need to do to impress you? The same as we who write musical theater want to know what it's going to take to impress a producer or a theater company to do our work at whatever level it might be. Right. Yeah. What's, what's the secret? What's it going to take to get it done? So yeah, we, we might need to look into that. The next time we'll have to have the husband and wife pair. (laughs) (laughs) And, and we'll find more work that she's sung or something. Maybe. Yeah. No, there's, those things exist. Oh, cool. I think that would be a great show. So when 
when the audience comes to the duplex May 2nd or May 3rd, they'll hear uh, Stephen and Rebecca sing How Could They Have Missed. But uh, what you're about to hear is the original cast, that's me, Noel Katz, and my bride, Joy Doing, singing the song I wrote for us to sing, How Could They Have Missed. Mary. 
I think everybody should listen to Musical World. Okay, well, that was uh, Joy doing and Noel Katz singing How Could They Have Missed from our wedding, which is actually their wedding. It's not my wedding. It's <laughs> You know what I mean, don't you? Yeah, it's, it's another <laughs> one of my difficult titles. <laughs> I have a lot of difficulty with titles. Um but it's called Our Wedding because we uh, we sell the live cast album. We sell a CD at the website WeddingMusical.com. And for 20 bucks, you too can have the CD of Our Wedding the Musical. And I'll put and, a link in the show notes. Oh, that'd be good. Yeah, make it a lot easier for them to... Just go right to it and uh, go for it. No, but the thing about the title of our wedding is that, you know, when we started selling a, a CD of our wedding, it's like, well, what do you call the show? Because it was both a show and a wedding. And right. so there was really nothing else to call it but our wedding. Yeah, I mean, our our vows, our wedding. Well, that's, well uh, our wedding is what it's called. Yeah, I, I think that's pretty much Hits the nail on the head. Oh, it only makes sense when either of us, when either Joy or I refer to it. <laughs> Anyone else has, has that little disclaimer that you just made. Our wedding, not mine. So, have you uh, have you got anything else going on? Is there anything else you want to pass on to the folks that I can link things in the show notes, your Facebook you know, or I, Twitter it, or... It, um, well, I do have a blog now, and oh, yeah. the uh, the blog, which is noelcats.wordpress.com, is uh, just me talking about how musicals are written. So, you know, supposedly you and I have the same audience there. That is, if people are fascinated by what goes into the creation of a musical, they could listen to Musical World and hear all the... Uh, wonderful um, musical creators that you have on, or they could read my blog, and that's a different way of experiencing. It's experiencing one man's opinion about um, how musicals are created. Or might I suggest they do both? Yes. (laughs) Yeah, I will definitely put a link in the show notes there, too. What, What was that you said? Well, one should do both. Yes. Because, as I said before, this is Noel Katz, and you should be listening to Musical World. (laughs) I will play it stereo out of both ears. (laughs) Yeah, because, like you said, everybody everybody that's listening to this has some some reason for listening to it, and that's got to be musicals, and... Uh, new musicals in particular. So I I would encourage everyone to go to Noel's blog and save it as a favorite so you can go to it and sign up for it so when he puts a new one out, you get it. You don't have to wait and hunt and peck. Just like a podcast, they can subscribe to your blog, correct? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I don't know how, but... But they do. Yeah, and it's it's all right there on the page when you go there. So 
You can do it. You know how to do it. If you figured out how to get a podcast, you can figure out how to get a blog. So just do it. <laughs> well, no. And I post every every five to six days. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. That's good to know too. That's more often yeah. than we do. <laughs> there's there's new stuff and uh, kind of endless Easter eggs. You should just randomly click things and see what happens, and it's funny. All righty. Well, Noel will uh, will get this out so everybody knows that on May second and third, they know where to be and how to get there. Um, right, and you know, a few days before that, if they're in the Dayton area, they can hear one of my songs. That's true. Well, no, no. Yeah. Oh, yes, yes, that's true. Uh, for our big fat concert series. Right. You should plug that. Well. I should, but you know, you're going to have to tell me what song it is because Amy's the ah, director. <laughs> right. Um, in that concert, I have a song called What Can You Do in a Rainy Afternoon? Ah, Perfect for Spring, our theme. Yeah, that's, yes. that's the idea. Yes, that will be on April 29th and 30th uh, at the Color of Energy Gallery in the beautiful downtown Dayton, Oregon district. And uh, we have a nice lineup of singers as well for that, that will be singing songs from people like Noel Katz and oh, Ryan Scott Oliver. And uh, Is there uh, any Jim Farley on this concert? Actually, there is one Jim Farley and David Brush song from our show, oh. The Big Picture. Um, yeah, it's the first time we've actually, uh, and we had to submit just like everybody else did. So <laughs> we submitted well, everything. We don't like to do any, any, <clears throat> you know, pull any uh, weight over our directors or anyone like that. And we mm -hmm. submitted the same as they did. And uh, we have submitted before and been turned down. So. <laughs> Wow. Well, it's it's a pleasure to end up on the same bill with you. Uh, April <laughs> it's not the first time. Right. We've been on the same bill in London, which you've got that's some true. stuff going on there, too. That's that's right. I think uh, there's also two estates. It's actually three concerts on two days. Yes. That the estates kindly folk are doing in uh, in London this month. Yes. And I have a... I have a song in that as well. Yeah, that's excellent. So it feels like over the next few weeks, I'm I'm everywhere, but it's really just my song. <laughs> oh, you're everywhere. Go <laughs> ahead, admit it, you're everywhere. And I know you've got to get to a rehearsal for a rehearsal, so I will let you go, sir. It's been a real All pleasure right, well. talking to you, and uh, we appreciate your time, and tell Joy... The next time, you know, we're going to have to, you know, we're going to have to uh, get her on to talk about some uh, casting issues. I will, I will see if you could get an appointment. <laughs> All righty, that's all we can ask for. That's right. All right, well, well thanks a thank lot. Thank you, Jim. Have a good afternoon and evening, and uh, we'll be talking to you. Okay. All right. Thank you, Jim. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.